there's a photo of me crossing the finish line and it's just this big grin on my face. I almost burst into tears because I was, it was just something it was building up to all this time and I never thought it would happen. The stillness just gives me that joy and that pure happiness. With those kinds of events, the excitement can be a bit like a high wire act. You don't know what you're going to do with it. You've got a lot of adrenaline. It's all about the expectation and whether it's going to live up to the expectation. Refreshingly Human Humans, welcome back to another episode of Refreshingly Human, or welcome if you're here for the first time. I'm glad to have you. We are a podcast all about human connections and shared experiences and finding that line of humanity, which I think we sometimes forget about. How many times have you guys felt this way? I just want to be happy. Why can't I be happy all the time? I honestly cannot think of a better time to talk about happiness than right now. We have so much of shit happening in our lives right now. And guys, this year has been crap, right? Coronavirus, US elections, deaths, lockdowns, and pile on top of that every way that this has impacted our lives. We all want some of those happiness dopamines in our blood right now, right? So I'm strangely pitching us pumping in dopamines like it's a drug. But you know what? It's kind of a drug, right? It gives us this burst of joy that encourages us to keep living. I mean, if we didn't get these bursts of happiness, why would earth would we want to live? Now, I want you to picture this. Imagine if you got everything you wanted every single damn thing. Imagine if it came to you as easily as snapping your fingers. Okay, screw that. As easily as just merely thinking about it. Imagine that nothing bad ever happened in your life and that everything comes with ease and everyone loves you and you are your best self all the time and you are happy all the damn time. Now imagine that being the case for one year and then another year and then another year and then the rest of your life. What do you think would happen if we only ever felt one emotion for our entire lives? How do you think we would develop as a person? Do you think that if you never felt sadness, fear, anxiety, shame, that happiness would hold the same value in your life as it does right now? Do you think you'd actually want it that much or appreciate it? Do you think you'd be the same person you are right now, today, if you never experienced any other emotion in your life? So this entire season, I've been giving one long ass story from myself on each emotion and how it impacted my life. But I want to prove a point with happiness. I want to give you short bursts of happy stories throughout this episode because that is what happiness is, right? It's like these precious moments of dopamine that boost and motivate us to just keep going. Happy moments kind of stick to my brain like peanut butter sticks to jam. Mmm, yum yum. 
they replay in my mind constantly. And when I think of happy moments, there's always this one that springs out amongst all of the others. When I was a little girl, probably around five years old, my dad bought me this little gift bag. Right, it was like this little light blue plastic bag shaped like a suitcase, and I remember it had like a pink latch and a pink handle. And when I opened it, it was there was like this toy lipstick. It was a red lipstick, um, a hairbrush, a toy hair dryer, toy hair rollers. It was a pretend beauty kit, and oh my god, I loved it so much. And I remember saying, "I will never forget this day." And my parents chuckled at their five-year-old because they thought it was an over-exaggeration of a very simple moment. But you know what? I literally never forgot that day because that little gift brought me true joy and true happiness. I've been pretty fortunate in my life to have had a lot of happy moments. So obviously that's something that I'm very grateful for. Um, there's one, I think, from the last couple of years that really stands out. Um amongst many i suppose yeah but it's it's an important one and i think that was mainly because it was something that i never thought i would achieve so i've been i guess i would call myself a runner for quite a long time doing quite a lot of long distance running and i always had this kind of bucket list item of finishing a marathon but it was something that always seemed kind of ridiculous to me just because i thought it was something i could never really achieve so one day the beginning of last year, well, the end of the year before, I just decided I'm just going to go for it and just try it. What's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> so I did that. I put this training plan together um, and worked really, really hard over the course of a few months um, in terms of diet and, you know, getting up every morning at 5 a.m. in winter to do long distance runs and interval training and all that kind of stuff. And uh when it got to about a month before the actual race, I picked up an injury. Uh, it was a pretty serious injury in that I couldn't really run more than a couple of kilometers at a time. So at that point, I kind of just assumed it was over. So I went to see a physio and did all this um, kind of rehabilitation sort of stuff and none of it was really helping. So I kind of gave up on the training and just thought I'd do that again. Maybe, you know, I can run again in a year, six months, I don't know, whatever. And But my bus ticket for the event was booked anyway, so I was like, well, I'll just go down and hang out in the city. So I went down and brought all my stuff. I don't really know why, but there was a part of me that just sort of thought, well, let's just enter and see how far you can run. So I did it expecting to kind of run a few kilometers as usual. Once I hit that point, the injury kind of kicked in again. But I'm a bit too stubborn a lot of the time. And I decided I would just keep going, which is pretty dumb, really. But I did it. And this moment that I'm talking about was that moment of crossing the finish line. I'm sure a lot of people have kind of felt this before. Um, but there's a photo of me crossing the finish line. And it's just this big grin on my face. I almost burst into tears because I was, it was just something that was building up to all this time. And I never thought it would happen. And the second I crossed, I was just like, I can't believe I've done it. This is unreal. Um, and yeah, that was a a huge deal for me on a personal level another happy moment that i love daydreaming about is a collection of moments from my childhood so before my dad died we used to have many many family get-togethers brides or barbecues as you brits call it 
dinner parties, pool parties, and a lot of family and friends would attend. You know what? My house used to be packed with people, with noise, buzzing, with great food and great atmosphere, and everyone was just so happy and chatty and I would go to bed just hearing all this noise because people would still be around till the wee hours. And honestly, this is where I found my love for hosting. Until today, a good party just brings me so much of joy and happiness. So when we talk about joy and happiness, for me, it's really simple. Whenever I see the ocean, I feel happy. Enough said. Um, I think it's because um, I, I was born and raised in a tropical country. I live very near the ocean, the beach, I mean. Uh, well, it wasn't exactly a beach, it was like a port. But still, I was surrounded by coconut trees, lovely white sand. That basically is my whole childhood. So when I was young, uh, my dad taught me how to swim by pushing me into the pool and expect that I will survive. And apparently I did. So that is how my passion for swimming started. And then after that, growing up, he took me snorkeling, he took me diving. So now I am a certified open water diver, which I am very excited to have. Um, so yeah, um, the reason why I feel like the ocean brings me happiness is because the it's beautiful like every time you look at the ocean no matter where you are it always looks pretty it feels it gives you that sense of serenity and yeah it feels like nothing else matters when i am by the ocean and just by the look of it it gives me that peaceful mind so whenever i feel distraught i will go to the ocean or go to the beach and just chill um, and the reason why i mention ocean instead of the beach is because if you're in the beach like every everyone is there and everyone is loud and they're having fun. But when you're at the ocean, like you're at the sea, the stillness just gives me that joy and that pure happiness. So um, that's also the reason why I took a trip um, every year uh, somewhere I've never been. And it's always coastal. It's always by the ocean. So yeah. I would say the feeling of happiness and joy doesn't always have to come from a person or uh, your friend, but it can also come from, you know, going to a place. My first trip to England or the first time I traveled independently, the first time I experienced true freedom away from the shackles of the life I grew up in, this was a moment of pure bliss to me. Just something as simple as being able to dress however I pleased, eat whatever I want, drink whatever I choose. Now this is a bliss in my life that, you know what? If I had never experienced all the restrictions I've experienced my entire life, this sweet freedom would not bring me as much joy as it does. You know, I, I something as simple as just walking down the road at night by myself just makes me feel so happy and joyful that I can actually do this without anyone's permission, without anyone um, having to escort me. I've just got the freedom to step outside of my house and walk if that's what I want to do. 
And if I never had a restriction in my life with walking outside, it wouldn't bring me as much joy as it does now. A few years ago, I was putting together some graphic design for a card game. I just wanted to have a side project, something to work on uh, to improve a game that I, I enjoyed playing. Shortly afterwards, an old friend got in contact and said, I saw what you did. Can you do the same for me? I said, well, yeah, of course. You know, what do you need help with? He said, I'm making a new game, a brand new concept, and I'm going to release it on Kickstarter. I said, well, that sounds great. I'd love to get involved. He said, OK, send some designs over, and we'll go from there. So I sent some designs over. He liked what he saw. We iterated a few times, and then I didn't hear much again for a while after that. But then a few months later, he got in touch and said, I want to go to the Games Expo. This is a big national exhibition centre event. There's going to be thousands of people. We're going to be showing off our game to everybody. We're going to be playtesting it, and I want you to be there. I said, OK, this sounds good. Um, just, just tell me where I need to go and where I need to be. He said, that's fine. We, we've already sorted out a store. We've sorted out a hotel for you. We've sorted out transport to get there and back. We'll pay for your meals. You can put all your expenses uh, together. Uh, we just might want to make sure that we're there as a team and we're going to be showing this game off to people. I'd never been to an event like this before. This was something completely new to me. And I'm always excited when it comes to new events like that. There seemed to be quite a lot of promise to the event. I took a quick look online to see previous events. And as you'd expect, there are people in costumes, there are people behind tables, there are people playing games, people showing off what they've developed. But nothing quite prepares you for that kind of experience. The scale of it. It's one of the largest buildings in the world. And for one weekend, it's dedicated to people who like to make games, to develop games, to play games, and to try out different ideas. The first day we went there, we had to put together our stall, and that in itself was exciting. You, know, you turn up and you get given a piece of the hall to go and make your own. It's small, it's crowded, it's competing with everybody else around you. But at the same time, there's a lot of camaraderie there between you and the people in the next stall over and the next stall over. Everyone's helping each other out. Everyone is there because they care about being there, about what they've created. And that sense of excitement just keeps building and building with the more people that you meet. You think that your idea that your team's been working on is something new and fresh that nobody's done before. And even if it is, there's still somebody in the next stall over or maybe a stall on the other side of the room who's come up with something even more novel, even more ambitious. That evening, there was an event where we had to show off what we'd made to press, including press for the games community for the whole of the UK. We sat there, we gave interviews, some people recorded us, took photos, gave our business cards. And then the next day, the public came. And they came and they talked to us. They tested our game. They tried it out. And you never know what to expect when you're working with the public. Literally anybody can walk up to you and say anything. And when you're showing something that you've been a part of, that you've helped to create, that can be quite nerve-wracking. There's a short opportunity to get as much as you can out of those interactions. And you have to make the most of it. You're basically running on adrenaline the whole time. Every time you meet somebody, it's an opportunity to find out what's great about what you've made or what could be improved or what's not going to work. And you have to think on your feet as well, because you find the best way to communicate with people by practicing. You, you find out what works and what doesn't work. And every hour you meet somebody else with a different opinion, different point of view. 
and this just builds up the excitement more and more and more until eventually, at the end of the weekend, we had to pack everything up and go home. And at that point, I'd actually seen so many different things. I'd looked at all these different stalls, all these different games that people had developed. I've been excited to see what was in the next hall and what the next opportunity would bring. I'd seen some old friends and new friends there. And it was one of the most exciting weekends of my life. And then when you see it come to an end and everyone packs up and everyone leaves. And on the one hand, it's a bit sad that the event's over, but on the other hand, you know that that's because they're clearing the hall for the next event and something else just as exciting as somebody else is going to happen. With those kinds of events, the excitement can be a bit like a high wire act. You don't know what you're going to do with it. You've got a lot of adrenaline. It's all about the expectation and whether it's going to live up to the expectation. And the part of that that I found the most rewarding was when I was really excited to find out what would happen if I walked into the next hall and asked about the new games that I'd never even heard of. And they exceeded my expectations. They didn't just exceed them, they were completely different. I was thinking there'd be table after table of different people just playing different games. And then somebody came along and said, well, here's a game where you stack different objects and then you scan things with a QR code reader and that tells a story. That wasn't just a novel idea, that was novel technology being used for a novel idea. That was something completely outside of my expectations. And so I think the best way to experience excitement is when you don't even know what to expect. You know it's going to be great, but because it's going to be a surprise, you'll never know just what level of surprise to expect. My relationships with people I chose to have in my life bring me so much of joy. And I say I chose because these are very specific people that I keep in my life on purpose. Right now, I have a community that I can just be myself around. Imagine this, right? A husband that gives you space when you're having an off day. Instead of telling you that there's something wrong with you for not being happy all the time. He'll sit with you and he says that he'll be at your back and call all day if you need anything at all. That's my husband right now, guys. Imagine. And imagine having friends who, when you feel down and miserable, they still want to hang out with you. They still want you around as they are concerned for you as a human and they want to help you get through the sadness. That's my friends right now. And these people bring so much of value to my life that I feel joy, contentment, and gratefulness just to have them in my life. And this, again, is a joy I would not be able to appreciate if I had not experienced shitty relationships. So this next emotion is excitement. And for me, my excitement is when I travel. So I'm an avid traveler. I have been to 57 different countries. And what really gets me excited is just the packing, the booking the flight, um, getting on the plane, landing and being in a new country. And why this excitement is so important is because it's like a sense of achievement that you've achieved something that other people in your family haven't achieved. You've achieved something that your friends and family haven't achieved and the excitement is something that I can't explain. 
because it's from within and it just feels so good coming out that I'm so excited that I find it hard to contain myself that I actually sleep on the plane to make the time go by quicker so I can get to my destination quicker and be happy. Now, think about joy or happiness in your life. If there's something in your life right now that brings you joy, something that perhaps would not have brought you joy if you haven't experienced anything crappy before. I want to leave you with one small challenge today. I want you to think about three things in your life that bring you joy, but they cannot be related to food or drink because that's a very obvious one. (laughs) And I want you to then think, would this thing have also brought me joy if I didn't experience something crappy? before and possibly it could be yes but it also could be no if you're thinking of more than one thing our lives are so filled with bursts of joy and this burst of joy just sprinkles all over our life and it's that fleetingness of the joy that makes it so precious to all of us right what if instead of focusing on always trying to be happy we appreciated and valued these little bursts of happiness as they come into our lives. And by that way, we would be making more room for all the other emotions that give us that space to value our happy moments a lot more. Next week, I'm going to be talking about anger. Anger is my favorite emotion. To find out why, tune in next Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. See you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. It's been great having you join me today. If you liked my content, please do share it with a friend you think would find it interesting and subscribe to the show as well. I would love to have you listening in to many episodes to come. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Facebook as Refreshingly Human and Instagram as Hannah Pillow. See you next time.